good morning. Uh, first service was awesome, and uh, the worship just now was amazing again, so uh, I'm glad you all decided to worship with us this morning and uh, chose to come to this service. Uh, we want to tell you how grateful we are if you're a first-time guest or second-time guest or tenth-time guest or whatever you are. We're, we're so grateful that you're here. And uh, you chose to worship with us today. That last song, by the way, um, is my favorite worship song right now. It's by Hillsong, and um, I listen to it all the time. So if you ever come up here and want to hang out with me and you surprise me, I'm in that front office, and I probably have my buds in, and I'm singing Oceans because it is such an amazing song. So don't think less of me or more of me because my voice is so amazing. So anyway, but you will get to hear that if you ever walk in and surprise me because I'm probably... Because it's such a great song. And here's why I'm so excited about it is um, it may be the first time that a lot of y'all have heard it. Because I know everybody doesn't know that song because it's very new. But it is so perfect with the message today. So perfect with the message today. It's ironic how that works out, isn't it? It's crazy. But um, it's perfect because the moment that we decide to really follow Jesus. Like at that moment that we decide, you know what? Instead of just kind of going through the motions and, and raising my hand and saying that I'm a Christian and letting people know in church that I'm a Christian, but like really truly following Christ, literally I lose control and I sink in an ocean that is deeper than I can possibly maneuver through. To truly follow Christ and obey His plan for my life is something that I have no control over. It is something that is overwhelming. And it is something that honestly is impossible to do on my own. And, and so what happens a lot of times is, um, is, is I get like this urge in church because I feel the spirit move. And I'm like, I want to do that. Like, I really want to follow Jesus. And I want, I want to make a difference, man. I want, I want to see God do crazy stuff. And then we walk out and we're in control. As soon as we walk out of the door, we're in control again on and then we wonder, why do I struggle with this? I just want to tell you all this. It's not, it's not too much information. It's not private information. I didn't ask their permission. Yesterday, my Saturdays typically in the fall. So this is a, this is a warning. I didn't, this is just free. All right? If you want to get married, I would be honored to marry you. Do not ask me from August 31st to December 1st on a Saturday, please, because it is college football season. And I'm trying to sit my tail down. And be a vegetable unless I'm in williams Bryce waving a towel. I'm trying to sit down. Or Clemson because I've been this year. Right? Unless, anyway. unless I'm watching football. I just, you know, whatever. That, that had nothing to do with the message. But I, I want y'all to today, okay? I want y'all today to forget everything that you've thought about coming in. And embrace this thought. What if God asked me to do something so big, so amazing, so powerful, so crazy outside? What would I do? What, what would I do? Would I follow it or would I run from it? Because being a follower of Jesus is to lose control and to have an ocean so deep that I cannot possibly get through it and comprehend what's going on. And, and so Mission Impossible with the lasers behind me that look awesome and all that stuff, it, it, the, the whole premise is... To accomplish the impossible for God. What happens when a group of people get together to accomplish something that is bigger than myself? And it can happen. And listen, I said this last week, but if you weren't here, this is for every person in here. God wants you to do 
from this side of the room to this side of the room, everybody in between. God wants you to do something that is much bigger than you, that is bigger than you think you can possibly do, that is outside what you think your talent is right now. But in order to do that, there's some instructions that I believe God has given us in 1 Kings chapter 17 to follow what Elijah did. So I just want to give you some background of who Elijah is before I give you the, the points of, of points one and two on like the directions of, of how to do the impossible. So Elijah was this, this dude that was considered the greatest prophet ever lived until Elisha came after him and was even greater. But Elijah was considered the greatest prophet ever. And this is how great he was. When Jesus came on the mountain, transfiguration, and, and like he shone great, Moses and Elijah were there with him. This is this dude. Like he's on the Mount Rushmore of Bible. He's the man. All right? And he comes on the scene when this new king comes in. His name's Ahab. And this king has a wife. Y'all might have heard of Jezebel before because people use it in like terms. She's a Jezebel. Well, this is Jezebel. And this is where she comes in. And, and Israel is a nation. And they're all following God. And they've, had, they've wandered off, but they follow God. They've wandered off, but they follow God. And this girl comes in. She says, no, we're following Baal. We're going to completely turn from God. And we're going to follow Baal. And we're going we're gonna to not be a, a nation of Israel that follows God anymore because it's done. So we're going to be Baal worshipers. And so idolatry and immorality and all this stuff comes in. And, and Elijah comes in. And this is his opportunity. If you are the prophet of God in ancient Israel, you got to be basically number two in command. Like you got to sit right here beside the king. And everybody knew that you kind of controlled the temperature of what the spiritual life was going to be like in the country of that day. And so to be comfortable, what you would do is you would give the king a little bit. And some of the prophets were evil. And, excuse me, they would not do what God told them. And they would not obey God. And they would just say, king... I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to live in my big nice part of my mansion in your castle and I'm going to just hang out. But they would not really try to seek God. The comfortable thing when you just start as a prophet would be to come in and just go through the motions, right? That would make sense. So Ahab has just come here. And what Elijah should do in order to be comfortable and in order to just go through the motions and not feel like he's getting overwhelmed, what he should do right now is just say, dude, you're doing awesome. And just pray in his room, right? God, I pray that you'll get Jezebel, her heart right, and that nothing will happen. And that's not what he did. So I want everybody to hear this very clearly, and I will repeat it during the message. In order to be greatly used by God, it takes hurt and wounds and uncertainty for all of us. Like you're never, ever, ever going to be greatly used by God if you're not willing to be lose control so that he has control. And at this moment, Elijah is in control. He is in control. He can say, you know what? Let's just go with the flow and let's figure it out and I'm sure it's all going to work out. Or he can say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1, I'm about to show you how he lost control. And yet, listen, over the course of the next four weeks, here's what happens. Complete total loss of control. Scared for his life. He defeats the prophets of Baal. And he's high and lifted up. But in order to get to those things that we're going to talk about the next week, the impossible tasks that God puts in front of him, he had to first obey God. That's number one. He had to obey God. He had to obey God. I must, listen to me, to to accomplish the impossible in my life, to accomplish the impossible in my life, I have to obey God's plan for my life. 
so many times. This is for church person that's been in church for, for 50 years. And you can tell every part of the story in 1 Kings 17, 18, 19 that I'm about to tell. Frontwards and backwards. You know this stuff better than I do and you would correct me. And this is for the person that's never heard the story before. It, regardless of where you are, this is it. In order to be used, you have to obey God's plan. But isn't it, that's kind of scary because my plan is better than God's plan a lot of times. In my mind. Because it's not scary, and I know what's going to happen. I don't want to obey God's plan. This is this is what First Kings chapter seventeen verse one says. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tish and Gilead said to Ahab, "As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain for these years, except by my word. There shall neither be dew nor rain." For these years, except by my word. And it was three and a half to be exact. And so this is what happened. Just picture it. You picture like the king's quarters. And he comes in. And, and Ahab says, what does God say? I want to hear from God's man. And he says, all right, all right, here's the deal. I have prayed and I have fasted. And I have asked God to heal our nation. Because I am the leader of it. And instead of sitting by and being comfortable... I believe it is God's plan to break his nation. And so he prayed, God, will you keep all water away? And listen, it's bad when it doesn't rain. Like It has not been this summer, has it? Because we've had like a thousand inches of rain. But, but we've been through times where it doesn't rain for like a long time. And then they say, don't, can't water your grass. And you've got to be careful and take three-minute showers and all this stuff, whatever. Take ten-minute showers still. But, but like they, they tell us what to do and how not to use the water. And then it gets stuck. And we've never had a drought like this for three and a half years. It didn't even do on the grass. Like it's the old western movie, tumbleweeds rolling through and the cracks in the thing, and it's awful, dry. You walk outside and your skin starts ashing up and cracking. It's terrible, right? You're miserable. So, so when the prophet of God comes in and then he reveals to you, guess what? I've prayed for this, that God would stop the rain. Completely stop the rain. You don't like that dude, do you? If you're Ahab, you're like, really? Praise God for praying that my reign would end all prosperity and that poverty and desolation would come to the land. Thank you! That's awesome! No, guess what happened? He's in complete and total turmoil. Like Ahab immediately wants to kill. As a matter of fact, what you're going to see in chapter 18 over the next couple weeks is every prophet of God was murdered. They tried to come kill them. They either captured them or killed them except for Elijah. Except for Elijah. Because he obeyed God's plan for his life. This is what James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 say, and I love this. James chapter 5, this is in the New Testament, toward the back. This is what, this is what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then... He prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. And so Elijah had an opportunity to pray fervently. God, just make me comfortable. Make me happy. I want my plan. I want my best. And, and just where, wherever you are, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a person who says, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of confused. I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. I don't think I've given my life to Christ. I, it doesn't matter. Right now, it doesn't matter. This is what I want you to do. Answer for this honestly. 
just for, for yourself, answer this question. Do you honestly believe that in your life you obey God with what He wants you to do? I, I'm not saying do you raise your hand when Mark asks you to raise your hand. And I'm not saying when the worship's happening, do you worship? I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you, do you pass out a full points card. I hope you do. That's awesome. I'm not saying do you do that. Honestly, like when you're by yourself, do you spend intimate time with God? Intimate time with God so you can obey what He wants you to do. Because I get so tired of pansy Christians thinking that God can't greatly use them. Listen, that is not God's plan. You were not made, like Genesis 1.27 says, you were made in the image of God. Man and woman, He created them. In the same image that He created, Jesus was born in the same in the same image that God is, you were made. And if that is my image that I'm made in, I don't care what you think about yourself. You think, man, I'm I'm too short for God to use me. I'm too I'm too fat for God to use me. Like God only wants to use these people. Or these. No, 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 no. God doesn't make mistakes. He wants to greatly use you. Here's why God doesn't use me. I don't obey His plan for my life. I've got a better plan, God. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's too hard. It's not certain, is it? Three and a half years, really, God? I I don't want to be uncomfortable for three and a half years. I want to be in my comfort for three and a half years. I want to have my stuff for three and a half years. And because we're not willing for that ocean to rise, I'm not going to embrace the unembraceable, God. I can't control that. I want to embrace anything I can control that makes me happier. It gives me a better life. It gives me nicer cars. It gives me a bigger house. But but the stuff that I can't control, the ocean when it's so deep and it's rising and I can't control it, I'm not embracing that. That's not a good plan, God. I'm going with my plan. And we never even get to the second step because we will not even look to God. Just last night, I was watching Florida State. doing the chop. Very impressed with Florida State. If you're not a Florida State fan, I'm not either. But I was impressed with them because I thought they played a bad game and still were really good. But I wasn't really into it big time because I don't have like an emotional interest. And a friend of mine called and he regularly attends the church and he was broke. Struggling. We talked for about an hour. Um, just going through a lot of hard times and I talked to someone else earlier in the day. And some of y'all have talked to you uh, privately one-on-one when you're going through a hard time. The question I always want to get to when I'm counseling someone, whether it's on the phone at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night or in my office during the week, the question I always want to get to is this. Have you spent intimate time with God this week? Because, listen to me, a lot of people are going through hell on earth. I mean, like absolute turmoil. Like awful. Like I was in tears sitting on my back patio area listening to my buddy hurt because he's just hurt personally. And the question I ask him is the question that I'll ask you. Have you talked to God intimately this week? I'm not saying have you read your Bible and checked it off the list. I'm not saying like, okay, God, I'm going to give you five minutes. And bless God, you better talk to me in this five minutes, right? Because I'm giving you a favor. I'm reading the Bible. But like intimately. Like I'm talking about like in the middle of the day when that guy cuts you off and you want to punch him in the face and cuss at him. If you don't feel that way sometimes, that is awesome that you don't have a sin nature like I do. Or I might have done that this week. Anyway, check that off. Just erase it. 
but seriously, I, I feel that way all the time. The question that I have to ask myself is, am I obeying God's plan for my life, and is it His will or my will? Because I cannot follow God's plan if I don't know the God that I'm trying to follow. And the way that I can know Him is to be intimate with Him, to get all distractions out of it. And that's really hard with a year-and-a-half-old boy that wants to just climb on Daddy and be crazy, and a five-year-old girl who, when Daddy, when he's climbing, she's climbing, and this and that, and Leah is like, you're going to have to do something with these kids, and, and like, it's crazy. It's happening everywhere. And then we got church. And we got people having. How do I get into my time? Like, I've got to make time where He is the priority in my life, where I can hear His voice, so I can know His plan. Because if I don't do that, then hell is going to break loose in my life. Because listen, here's the promise, and I, this is not good news. And I apologize for bad news, but it is going to suck a lot of times in your life. It is going to suck, right? I mean, it's going to be horrible. Like what I told Duke last night, he was crying. He was, he was so emotional. He was like, I just don't want this stuff to happen anymore. I said, dude, I don't need it for me. I don't want to struggle in the struggles that I have. But of all the people that I follow in the Bible that I think, again, Mount Rushmore reached more people than you could possibly imagine, Paul was pretty awesome, right? He reached a lot of people. And he said, quote, what I want to do, I don't do what I do, I don't want to do. I, I, I don't like this person that is me. Even though I'm a follower of Jesus, I continue to screw up and be a mess. But, but, yet for the sake of Jesus Christ, I keep, I keep on keeping on. I keep on keeping on. And what I told him is what I will tell y'all. I really believe if God took away all my struggles and all your struggles, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need God, would we? I'm not happy that I struggle with the ways that I do. And I told you all the last couple of weeks, so I'm not embarrassed to tell you, I don't like lusting. Like not even a little bit. I don't like that that's the burden that I carry. But it is. And it is my problem that I have to deal with every day like I'm an alcoholic, but it is different. I do not struggle in alcoholism. I struggle with my eyes and with my mind. The day that I think I've got it with, I'm done. The day that I'm not intimate with Jesus because I'm good, I was awesome the last week, I'm done. God has a plan for my life, and if I obey Him, I can be greatly used by Him. And if I am in control, it's a spiraling mess, and I look and say, how did this happen? When the ocean is mine to bear, I will drown. I will drown. So the first thing I have to do to accomplish the impossible in my life is to know the God that I talk to and let Him be my Savior and be my Lord and rest in Him and find His grace and mercy every single morning and talk to Him because I have never, ever talked to one person, listen to these words, that are struggling in their marriage or their anything else in their life. This is no exception. God is my witness. I've never talked to one person that said, you know what, I've been intimate with God every single day, and yet my life is still spiraling out of control. Never talk to one person. I've got great news. He wants to help. I'm not saying the suck is going to go away. Sometimes life just is hard. But I am promising you that if you're intimate with Jesus, it can help. Number two, after I've done these things, you hear me? After I've obeyed God, I have to trust that He will provide. I don't have to provide. I have to trust that He will provide for me. Let me just read to you what happens in 1 Kings chapter 7, what happens in the story. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him 
This is Elijah who was supposed to be killed. The word of the Lord came to him, depart and turn eastward and hide yourself in the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, which by the way means provider. He is my provider. That is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And while, and after a while, three and a half years to be exact, maybe a little bit less but not long, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. It's my job as a Christian if I want to be greatly used to listen to God's voice and then obey Him. So often, so often, what I do is when that difficulty comes like happened in Elijah's life and uh, I look at the circumstances around me and I realize that death is certain. And in your life, it may not be like physical death, but it is horrendous torment. It's like storm clouds all around you and you see these things all around you and you're like, God, take them away. Why would you let these things happen to me? Don't you know Elijah was thinking that? And yet, had this not happened, then then the defeat, what we're going to do the next couple weeks, raising the kid and defeating the prophets of Baal and the rain coming back and a nation coming back to God. All of those people coming back to worship the God of the universe and turning away from Baal. That never would have happened. And yet, don't I am going to tell God, there's no way you want me to die. There's no way you want these people to hate me. There's no way you want me to be on America's Most Wanted or Israel's Most Wanted. There's no way that's what you want for my life. You're God. You, a loving God wouldn't do this to me. Don't, don't, you, don't you think that sometimes? Yes, He does. Sometimes what we think is our awful and our torment and this can't be good. Sometimes what we think is just disaster in our lives is for God's glory to come through so many people can get saved. And the reason that we don't get greatly used by God is because we don't even know His voice. We don't even know Him. So, so this is... This is kind of cool. I, some of y'all know Hasten. That's my my son. That's like just over a year and a half old. I'll hold him in my hand and it freaks some of y'all out. You're like, don't do that. This is crazy. And he stands up tall. He's just standing. And he just stands up real, you know, real big and tall. And um, he's a daredevil. He's awesome. He's my little man. I try to get him tough. And so anyway, every morning I take care of him. And I've started something. Because I'm the, the, my refrigerator, I'm big. I'm over 6'4". So the refrigerator is like eye level for me. And I put him up on the refrigerator on the top. And so he's standing there like this and he giggles. <laughs> I say, okay, buddy, you ready? <laughs> so I want you to jump to daddy. And he looks down, he's looking at me. If a if a 28 and a half pound, 19 month old falls six feet, he may not die, but he's hurt really bad. And he looks down, he has no fear whatsoever. None. Zero. And I said, okay, wait. And Lainey's laughing, you know, jump, jump, jump. He said, you know, he just stands there. He said, okay, on three. One, two, three. He steps out. Every time. Every time he jumps. Every time. 
I'm like, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I get so much gratitude out of it. So I was like, he listens to daddy's voice. He waits on his daddy. And right beside the pool, he waits on his daddy. And he jumps open arms. He just jumps. He doesn't know the outcome. But he knows his daddy's going to catch him. He trusts that his daddy is going to catch him. Y'all, that's what faith looks like. That is faith. My boy. Jesus said, come to me like children. Have faith like a child. When was the last time you heard God's voice? You trusted that he would provide for you and you didn't have to make everything right. When was the last time God used you greatly because you knew the God of the universe that wants to use you greatly? And you stepped out like my boy who was waiting on his daddy. No, that's us. God has his arms open. Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew our strength. He will mount us up on wings like eagles. We will not grow weary. Listen to me. The myth of this universe that Satan loves is God will never put more on you than you can handle. Are you freaking kidding me? You can handle cancer? You can handle horrible times in your family? No, you can't handle it. God will never put more on you than he can handle in you. But I promise you, friend, if you try to be the one that handles it on your own, you can't handle it. There are many things in this life that you can't handle. Don't believe the lies of the devil. You can't handle them. But guess what? If I lean on Jesus and I rest in him and say, you know what? These oceans are so deep I can't stand anymore. There's nothing I can do. I want to be in your grace. I don't know what else to do in this world. I don't know why you would want me to say that it's not going to rain for three and a half years. I don't know why you would want me to do this in my job. I don't know why you would want me to go to this place. I don't know why you would want me to invite my friends to church. I don't even know a lot about God in the first place. I don't know why you would want me to do these things, but I'm going to trust you because you have a better plan. God's way is better than my way. And the minute that I actually embrace that fact, the minute that I actually do that, it changes everything. He will provide for you like he did Elijah. You may not have ravens come in, but he will provide for you. Listen to what King David said when everyone was trying to kill him. He had an army surrounding him and he wrote this song. Chapter 27, I love this. If you're ever struggling, look up Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. He is my light and my salvation. This is the way I'll end it. Everybody look right here. The best thing that we can have in our own minds is like a syllabus, like a guide, a color pamphlet for our lives to know every single thing that's going to happen. This is what God says in Psalm 119, 105. His word, the Bible, is a lamp unto my feet. My feet. Not a lamp into this room or a lamp into all of Spartanburg and Greenville counties. A lamp into my feet and a light into my path. He's my light and my salvation. I should not fear anyone. But here's the truth. I don't know but about two footsteps in front of me. Because this world is dark and there's darkness all around me. There's difficulty all around me. And all I can do is hope in him. So, so here's, here's the closing. There are people in this room that don't know Jesus. You've never placed your trust in him. This is, this is what it looks like to get saved. This is what it looks like. 
you are lost because of your sin, because of what you've done. Sin is anything I say, think, or do that displeases God. All of those things that I've done, or one of those things ever that I've done, causes me to be separated from God forever. Salvation is simply saying, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want to obey you. I want to follow you and trust that you are better for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I give my life to you. That is salvation. There are people in here. There are people in here. You know who you are. That is you today. You're going to get saved right now. Right now. And then for everybody else, for everybody else, you need to stand up right now and say, I want God's plan for my life. I don't want my plan for my life. I'm tired of trying to be the boss of my life and being in charge. I want my plan. I don't know where you are with Jesus. And for some of you, they're going to look the same because you are saved and you're so far away from obeying God. And for for others of you, you say, I want Jesus. But for every one of you, I want you to make a decision right now and say, yes, that is me. I want Jesus. Will you bow with me? With every head bowed and eye closed. I believe there's a couple people. I don't have like a Holy Spirit vision, but I believe there's people in here that are going to say, you know what? I want the grace of Jesus to change me so that I can be free. I want to know him right now. So this is the question. This is the question. Please be just totally honest and don't be embarrassed. I want to know in this room right now. Mark, I'm not sure if I'm saved right now. I want you to pray for me. Just raise your hand real high. There's going to be multiple people. Raise your hand right now. If that's you, thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Raise them up. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Pray for me. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Look at me if you raised your hand. There's like four, four people. Here's what we want to offer you right now. I want you right now, with no hesitation, no hesitation. There's going to be, there's going to be a couple people standing up. No hesitation. I just want you to stand up. There's a couple people waiting for you in the back. They want to talk to you and share how you can get saved, how you can have hope. So right now, will you get up and get saved right now? I just want you to stand up. Don't let anything hold you back. Thank you. Who else? Stand up and go back. Awesome. Awesome. Who else will go? Who else will go? There's two people. Who else will get saved? Hey, listen. Let it be yours. Let it be yours. You don't want to do it today. If you don't want to do it today, that's okay. We ain't mad at you. It's much more important for this to be your decision than our decision. So, how about everybody look at me? Here's the question for you as we leave. We're going to close with an awesome song of worship. I want to know if you will stand up right now and say, I want for my life, I want for my life for people to see a difference in me, not because of how well I speak, not because of how good I look. Thank God that's not a prerequisite for me. Not because of any of these other things, but because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to obey him no matter where he takes me. And I'm going to trust that he provides for me like he did Elijah at the brook Cherith. With ravens, with bread and water when there was no water in the whole land. I'm going to trust that he is God and I'm not. And I want him to do that in my life. So everything in my life, I want him to be the boss and I don't want to be the boss. On Tuesday, when my boss gets mad at me, and I'm so tired of my kids and I want to go nuts. I'm going to trust that he provides. In everything in my life, I'm going to trust that he provides. I want you to just stand right now and raise your hands and sing to the God that we love and worship. God, thank you. 
more than anything that I can thank you for today, this is what I want to thank you for. I don't know intimately a lot of these people, but they are my people and I love them. And I thank you for all of the people in this room right now. God, what I can thank you for the most is I know me and what a rotten, dirty sinner that I am. That I'm so far from you so many times and I look myself in the mirror and I say, why do you keep doing these things and you never give up on me? And you so desire to greatly use me and everyone in here and I don't understand it, but I am grateful for your grace. God, it cost you your son Jesus on the cross and I'm so grateful for that. But what I ask you right now is that you'll take this group and you'll give us the strength to do what we can do to make a difference. I love you and I thank you. Hey, will everybody stand up? One thing before we close. I apologize for that. One thing before we close. I'm asking everybody, this Tuesday night, all my friends, first time guests, everybody this Tuesday night, if you're off work, invite every single person that you know. There's not going to be worship. We're just going to hang out. Have a good time. We'll have pizza. We'll have some drinks. It'll just be community. You can bring little kids in here on Tuesday night. If they're bad, going crazy, like it would probably be mine, we'll, we'll take them out. There will be kids, people here to help. If there's 10 or if there's 150, we're doing this thing. Telling everybody it's Billy Graham's birthday on Tuesday. Everybody knows Billy Graham, right? Even if you're not a Christian, you've never heard of it. And Lecrae's giving his testimony. That is my man. By the way, his new album comes out this Thursday, so everybody get church clothes too. But uh, but everybody invites somebody because the gospel is going to be presented so awesome and so clearly, and it is going to be great. We are not doing this to build our church. We're doing this to build his kingdom. I'm asking everybody to come. If you're a student, please come tonight. Turkey bowling with a frozen turkey and bowling pins is awesome. So y'all don't want to miss that. I love y'all. Let's worship you.